You're listening to Fake Believe, the podcast that gets some things right about conspiracies, cults, and cryptids. Hi, welcome to Fake Believe. I'm Stacy, and I carry symbols of all religions in case I'm ever confronted by a mummy. <laughs> That's useful. And I'm Rachel, and I consider myself having an adventurous palate because I will eat food out of the garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, I, I need you to answer a question for me, honestly. Yes. Are you a raccoon? Yes. <laughs> you found me out. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Have you ever been hissed at by a raccoon? Um. Yeah, so uh, where I used to work... Uh, there was a dumpster that was right outside the entrance that I would go in, and sometimes these little baby raccoons <laughs> would climb into the dumpster even though it was empty, and they would get stuck. So I would, um, from time to time, have to save some raccoons by oh. putting a cutout of one of the staff members in there. I don't know how we acquired a cutout of a staff member, <laughs> but we had one, and it was like a joke, and I don't know how my department had it, but I would put it into the trash can so they could grab onto it and climb out of it, but while I would just kind of put it in there, and then I would run to the other side of the gate and then, like wait and let them <laughs> all kind of run out and everything, but there were times like I would look in there, and then I'd get... <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. You have a full-on raccoon hissing story. I wasn't <laughs> like in your belt, ready to go. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> I, I didn't think about it that way, but yeah. I mean, sorry that everyone had a raccoon story. <laughs> uh, it's just the joys of uh, working next to a dumpster, I guess. <laughs> So, um, I guess we can uh, go ahead and get started on on our episode today. I wrote a uh, an intro, and the first two words are definitely going to give it away, but just pretend like you don't know, okay? Will do. Nelson Mandela was a South African revolutionary. He fought vigilantly against apartheid and racism. Unfortunately, Mandela was sent to prison on Robben Island in 1964 for fighting for equality. There, he was forced into an inhumane prison system with horrible conditions and he continued to be treated unjustly because of his race. It was there on Robben Island in 1980 that the great activist Nelson Mandela died. Oh, wait, no. That that last part is incorrect. Nelson Mandela was actually released from prison in 1990, was elected president of South Africa from 1994 to 1999, and he continued his activism and philanthropy until he died for real in 2013. <laughs> in 2013. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, millions of people actually believe that Nelson Mandela died in prison. Um, this phenomenon of collective false memory is more commonly known as... Mandela effect. Where do you think they came up with that name? I mean, I don't know. I didn't do enough research. <laughs> <laughs> Let's figure this out. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about how this theory originated. I'm going to start off by reading an excerpt from MandelaEffect.com which was written by Fiona Broom, the person who coined the term Mandela Effect. I have to say, and you are going to hear this when I do my part, I could not find that website. Really? 
Really? Because it kept coming up and then, but nobody would have like a link to it in any of the articles that I found. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to guess it's MandelaEffect.com. So I typed that in and it was like, this site is under construction or whatever. Stop it. I went on (laughs) Snopes and there was a link there and that's where I found this. So well, that's so weird. Okay, so we already have a Mandela effect <laughs> that we did not plan in no. this episode. <laughs> it's funny, too, because I was going to text you, but I assumed, oh, that's so weird. This is weird. But I swear to you, I found this on the episode. I believe you. Okay. Or on the, okay. On the uh, website. So this is, again, a quote from Fiona Broom on her website. I thought Nelson Mandela died in prison. I thought I remembered it clearly, complete with news clips of his funeral, the morning in South Africa, some rioting in cities, and a heartfelt speech by his widow. Then I found out he was still alive. My reaction was sensible. Oh, I must have misunderstood something on the news. I didn't think about it again for many years until someone casually mentioned that other people remembered when Nelson Mandela died in prison. That caught my attention in a hurry. One thing led to another, and I discovered a large community of people who remember the same Mandela history that I recall. Wow. Yeah, so that was actually on our website. (laughs) (laughs) Swear to God. I'm trying to cite my sources here, and I know I found it. (laughs) But Broom's revelation of this phenomena sparked so many false memories of Nelson Mandela's supposed death. Keep in mind that this all started in 2009, and many people were starting to feel very creeped out that the reality they remembered so vividly was a lie. Further, people started to really become shaken when they discovered that more than just a handful of individuals had claimed to watch a funeral that never happened. How could so many people share a collective false memory? Let's find out. Okay, tell me. (laughs) So, um... I'm warning everybody now, I did not go to school for psychology or theoretical physics or, <laughs> or geometry. physics or geometry. <laughs> Definitely not geometry. <laughs> but what I am saying is that from my research, um, I have a general understanding that I would like to pass on to everybody else. But please keep in mind that this is a very watered down version of things. So. There there are going to be some kind of um, abstract topics that I'm going to ask everybody to stay with me. Um, <laughs> I am, I will do my best to explain it um, in a way that is very digestible. Um, but, Rachel, if you have any questions on behalf of the audience, because I know you're... <laughs> I, you know, the voice of the people. Yes. Uh-huh. Feel free to chime in at any time, and I will do my best to answer them. But, again, I am not <laughs> a professional, okay. so you cannot take everything that I say as... A uh, complete fact. This is just my interpretation of the research. Okay? All right. Let's first get the boring explanations out of the way and dive into the world of psychology. Ooh. A common theory of the Mandela effect is confabulation. Not congratulation, but confabulation. <laughs> Which is described by some as honest lying. So essentially, when a person retells a story, they are telling it the way they had interpreted or remembered it. They're not necessarily making things up. Their brain just has to quickly cobble together a memory, and that person then describes their memory. Memory is not always reliable. So, 
Here's an example. I'll tell you about a time when I was locked in a shed with a snake, okay? For reals? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so uh, right now, I mean, this is, you know, completely unscripted. I'm going to tell you exactly how I remember it. So I was about five years old, and I was with my brother and then my two cousins, and we were playing house. And the oldest cousin, I was like, oh, I'm the mom, and we're going to go into our home. And so we went into this shed, and, you know, this was uh, in this, like, wooded area. But we were still, like, we were right next to our cabin, but uh, we walked in to the shed, and all of a sudden, the door closed behind us, and we turned around, and we started pulling at the door, and we realized it was locked. And we're like, oh, no. Oh, my God. We're this locked. is like a horror film. Right. <laughs> and so we're, we're children. So the oldest one was probably like nine-ish, maybe. So then we turn, we turn away from the door, and we look, and there's this giant black snake in oh the corner. Oh, my God. And we didn't notice this when we first came in. And we were like freaking out. We're like, oh my God, this big, huge snake, it's going to eat us or something. And we had no idea what to do. Then the oldest cousin, she, you know, was like trying to like think quickly. And there was this like little window thing in the shed. And mm -hmm. so she crawled out of the window and jumped down from the, uh, I mean, it was a shed. So it's not like it was like a huge jump, but she jumped down and we're all like, you know, backs against the door, staring at at this snake, this gigantic snake. And we're like, we're just frozen in fear. And then all of a sudden the door opens and we turn around, we run. And we're like, you know, <laughs> like out of breath, we're freaking out. And we're like, oh my God, I can't believe we survived this snake thing. This is so crazy. Did you say the snakening? No, the snake thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so um, that was how I originally remembered it. But when I brought this up to that oldest cousin later, uh -huh. um, she said we actually got out because we all started banging on the door and we happened to be right next to the cabin that where mm -hmm. my mom was. And she heard all of her little babies <laughs> screaming and Aww. she came out and she opened the door for us and we all ran out and we're like, there's a snake! <laughs> so my cousin, like, she liked the thought that... I thought that she had climbed out and saved right. us. Superhero shit. But, yeah, yeah, that she got to be the hero of the story. She's like, uh -huh. yeah, you can keep that in. <laughs> um, and that she agreed that the snake was just as big as I had imagined it. But, oh, we, we, but we know that it's not. Like, it was, it was one of those things <laughs> where we're like, yeah. Because as I would, like, retell the story, I was like, I know it wasn't that big. I was five years old. So it seemed huge. And then also, right. like, just the fact that my memory is not reliable that occurred to me in a very stressful situation when I had a very young developing brain. So whenever I would revisit that memory, different things would change. Sometimes we all climbed out of the window. Sometimes mm -hmm. the the snake was like a giant python that was hypnotizing me or you know something like that. <laughs> it would change in my mind every time, but since there were other people to corroborate the story with me, we now know that certain parts of it are how I remember them to be. So that that is all kind of part of confabulation um, with how uh, you, you're just not as reliable uh, with your memory as you may think you are. It's not just mm -hmm. going into the archives. It's kind of trying to make sense of things. That is how some people can say, like, oh, well, 
people were just filling in gaps or misremembering or, you know, things like that. That's how the Mandela effect happens. So that's one one theory. And sure, and that totally makes sense. And absolutely, everybody has done some confabulation. But this isn't one person believing that. It's like maybe millions? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm not buying it either. Let's move All right. on. So no, cross that one <laughs> off the list. What's next? Nope. <laughs> Another psychological ex- explanation for the Mandela effect could be priming. So this is where a person becomes suggestible and fills in the blanks in their heads. So for example, if I were to ask you, how did Buzz Aldrin die? Um, I would say he died uh, probably of cancer. Yeah, or or you might even say, I don't know, or I can't remember. But by framing the question that way, I'm telling you that Buzz is dead, and you need to help me find out why. However, if I were to ask... Oh, so wait, 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 sorry. You, when you set me up for that, I wasn't supposed to lie and make something up. No, like, you could. You could. You could make something up. That's kind of the point. I mean, like... Okay. By, by framing it that way, it's... He is dead. Tell me why. Right. So you would either say that or you could say, I don't know, or I can't remember, like, if you really can't think of it. But if I were to ask you, is Buzz Aldrin still alive? You still might not know the answer, but it leaves it a little bit more open-ended. I mean, you know, if you say, I don't know, I mean, that doesn't really lead to anything. It, or or you could just say, like, no, I think he's still alive. Or you think that, that <laughs> you know, you could figure it out from there. Kind of like how we did in our first episode. We figured it out. Yeah. We figured it out. <laughs> so um, what's worse is that some people will intentionally try to trick others into believing something. And oftentimes if a person is already predisposed to one way of thinking, they are more likely to believe in things that correlate with that way of thinking. So an obvious example would be political views. Right. And I, I'll call myself out on this one. So in 2016, I believed that Trump had said in the past that if he were to run for president, he would do so as a Republican because, quote, they are the only ones stupid enough to vote for him, end quote. To me, this sounded valid, and I repeated it as fact. However, I was soon corrected and crossed just this one thing off my long list of reasons <laughs> to hate Trump. <laughs> so we see this a lot, like with the, quote, fake news, end quote, type of thing. I mean, but it can happen on both sides. And I want to make that clear. I'm not coming for anybody. If something aligns with your views, you're less likely to go research it mm-hmm. um, than if something contradicts your views. Then you're going to look for anything that you can to counter an argument so that you don't have to change your way of thinking. So the same thing can be said for something in the scope of the Mandela effect. Like, no, I know that Nelson Mandela died in the 80s, and here's all these people that say that that's true, even though facts are telling us he died in 2013. So that's not true. But you're more likely to research something that you're not believing than something that you are. You would just take anything that you see as fact. And again, unfortunately, these days, deep fakes and photo editing have regressed so much that people may be easily tricked into believing falsities. I mean... They are crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, this is going to be scary and dangerous, I have a feeling, in the future. Yeah, so I mean, just even like... (laughs) not being paranoid, but, like, being (laughs) realistic. I mean, with the way that things can change so quickly, I mean, you got to do your due diligence. (laughs) you got to do it. 
You gotta do it. Do due diligence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have to you have to research um, when things come up. So if something sounds too good to be true or too bad to believe, just maybe do a little bit more than surface level and try and figure it out because this could be how people are, for lack of a better word, tricked into thinking certain things. That would explain a collective false memory. However, we know that people are thinking that Nelson Mandela died in the 80s. And I wasn't alive during that time. (laughs) But from what I can tell, the internet was not that great. No. (laughs) (laughs) And um, deep fakes weren't a thing, nor was Photoshop. Correct. Okay, thank you for being my resident 80s person. You're welcome. I lived through them. The internet was not useful until, honestly, the 2000s. Yeah. I mean, I know I was only like five. (laughs) (laughs) But even I knew that. You know, I I do understand that things weren't so great for deep fix and stuff in the 80s, so I think we could cross this one off, too. Right, but there was an awful lot more cocaine in the 80s and neon. (laughs) The neon and the cocaine probably worked together, I think, to uh, have as much power as a World Wide Web. Okay, fair enough. So we'll put maybe a question mark next to this one. Okay. Okay. Go put, like, cocaine question mark? (laughs) Neon, underlined, underlined, question mark? Aquanet, leg warmers. It was scary. (sighs) Trust me. We all went through phases where we thought, oh, my God, the 80s were so great. And then we tried to, like, emulate that. And we were like, what were we doing? (laughs) So that's the thing. Cocaine question mark next time. So moving on from the potentially rocky territory of fake news, let's talk about some more plausible theories for the Mandela effect, shall we? Yes. So first, there is this one Andy film. You've probably never heard of it, but it offers an explanation for this. Uh, the movie is called The Matrix. Have you heard of it? Um, The Matrix. The Matrix. Yes, of course. Oh, oh, oh wait, wait, sorry, no, it wasn't an idiot. It was like a like huge blockbuster trilogy. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay, sorry, my bad. Um, but yeah, so in the movie, for those that thought that I was serious and have never heard of this before, <laughs> humanity has been taken over by machines and are being kept in a false reality that has been programmed in everybody's minds. Real, like, watered-down version of the trilogy. I've never seen are you fucking kidding me, Stacey Viegman? You haven't seen The Matrix? No. <laughs> Do you know? Okay. <laughs> At least the first one is so good. I cannot overstate it. So good. I've seen people talk about The Matrix. I just think that it just never came across, like, when it came out. It never crossed my path, and then I never sought it out. (laughs) Well, it's kind of a bummer because you already know the premise, so you can't come into it the way that when when I I saw it in the theaters, and when I first went and saw it, I had no idea at all what it was about. And so if you can imagine when you do watch it this weekend, if you can imagine the opening (laughs) sequence... And think how, like, if you didn't know what was going on, how confusing but engaging it would be. Oh, God, watch it. Watch it. Okay. So good. Well, see, that's probably why I never sought it out, because I already knew what Mm -hmm. it was. Like, by the time, because what year did it come out? 
Um, I want to say 97 or 98. Well, I mean, I was like a toddler. So, you know, of course, by the time that I was old enough, I mean, like I was watching Shrek and they're already par- parodying it in Shrek. So like that, you know, I, I knew enough about it that I never wanted to seek it out. But I digress. I'm very sorry. I've never seen that. Oh, wait, it came out in 1999. Oh, okay. Well, no, I was still four years old. That's not something I would want to sit through. Uh, within the program called The Matrix, there can sometimes be glitches in this code, which is why you should always update your brain. you got to restart it sometimes. The With cocaine. Will... I was thinking sleep, but cocaine <laughs> can work too. <laughs> I'm not a neurologist. I don't know. So if... If you somehow received corrupted code, you may experience a discrepancy in logic. So this matrix theory posits that something in the code had to be changed, like Nelson Mandela dying in prison, but not quite everyone's memory was updated. Thus, despite living in the reality where Mandela died in 2013, you still remember him dying in the 1980s when you shouldn't know that. Uh-huh. This one is the most plausible so far. So far, yes. I'll get to some better ones, though. Um, so the next theory we're going to discuss is time travelers are creating a butterfly effect, which refers to the notion that a butterfly could flap its wings and eventually the wind from that flap would lead to a hurricane. Mm-hmm. So admittedly, this this theory is a little difficult to grasp. I'll do my best to explain it, but I think it kind of blends into some other theories. It appears as though time travelers could go back in time and accidentally do something small that results in a brand new reality taking place. Um, it's not totally clear why some people would remember something completely different from the world, but it could just be that certain people were never confronted with a reason to have this new reality implanted into their minds. Let's unpack this one a little bit. So, okay. So, you know, the butterfly effect, like, you know, if you decided, you know what, this morning on my way to work, I am going to stop for coffee. And then you stop for coffee, but, you know, they get your order wrong. And then you're a little, like, irritated about that. And you happen to be in an intersection where somebody wasn't paying attention. And then they rear-end your car and you spill coffee all over yourself. And then Mm -hmm. you have to tell your boss that you're running late because you got into an accident. Um, So then by the time you get into work, you've missed uh, this surprise donuts that somebody brought in. No! Oh, I hate missing donuts! So then you're all upset. You're like, dang it, like I'm having the worst day ever and I'm late. You could go on forever and ever with with something like this. But it all started from you decided to get coffee that that morning. Mm -hmm. The butterfly effect is just saying that had you traveled back in time and decided not to get the coffee, maybe you had a better day. Maybe you ended up getting a promotion. Or maybe you choked on a donut. Exactly. And there's so many things that could have happened. So in theory, if somebody were to time travel back in time and then accidentally step on a bug, you know, then Nelson Mandela never died in prison. This one is I'm a little less inclined. I'm more into the Matrix idea than to the time travel idea just because I feel like 
if time travel were ever invented, we would have seen it or known it by now. They would have, you know, come back here. So I think it never gets invented. Yeah, or it's just what they want you to think. Right, or it never gets invented in this programmed version of the Matrix. Right. (laughs) Or it's that the government has control over it and they don't want you to know. Or the Illuminati has control over it. It's the same thing. We just said the same thing. Okay. All right. So you ready to get nerdy? Uh, No. I need a little bit more warning than that. Just kidding. I'm always nerdy. (laughs) But um. (laughs) So let's talk about Schrodinger's cat. Okay. So I'm not saying like an actual cat. So like I'm not talking about like Mingus or anything like that. This cat doesn't exist. Or does it? Well, this cat's all theoretical. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and also, you don't want this cat to be real. So. <laughs> <laughs> Some people also don't want Mingus to be real. Listen, anyone that says that, I will fight them. <laughs> she's she's pretty mean-spirited. So am I. Yeah, but you don't leave dead bats under your partner's bed. Have <laughs> you, you talked to Zach recently? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, no, I don't do that. I'm not that mean-spirited, so, yeah, I guess Mingus sucks. Hey. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Now you're going to have to beat yourself up. (gasps) And we're back to Schrodinger's cat. Yes, here we go. (laughs) Essentially, this theoretical experiment suggests that a cat is in a closed box. Skipping the scientific mumbo-jumbo, there are equal possibilities that the cat is both dead and alive. If you don't open the box then the cat is both dead and alive at one moment since both outcomes are equally probable. However, once you lift the lid of the box to check on the kitty, you have then confirmed only one statement is 100% true because, of course, there is a difference between mostly dead and all dead. And to blame... (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> why talk about the prequel to Don't Fuck With Cats? <laughs> Just imagine that the box was never opened. This can create a parallel universe. So let me explain. No, wait, there's too much. Let me sum up. <laughs> As you wish. <laughs> so I'm kind of using phrases like parallel universe and alternate reality interchangeably. So forgive me. It does appear that there are differences, but speaking to not theoretical physicists, this is just how I understood it. So the Schrodinger's cat theory is just a partial explanation for parallel universes because it just accounts for the theory of alternate realities, but it can be taken a step forward. The moment that you go to the box and open the lid and find the cat either alive or dead has just created a split. In one instance, you do find the cat dead, and in the other, you have found it alive. That means that your reality has been entangled with the outcome of the cat's fate. So, by affecting one aspect of reality, a chain reaction is set off, and now we are living with this reality. There's there's multiple, but it just depends on the one that you actually see what we end up living in. Meaning that there are infinite realities existing all at the same time. And there are theories that 
if we were to somehow travel to another one of these dimensions, uh, we could somehow face a reality in which the laws of physics have made it impossible for us to survive. And there are certain people that believe that we are accidentally accessing alternate realities in some way or another, with the proof being in the Mandela effect. Do you want to know what movie kind of experiments with this hypothesis? Which one? The Matrix. It's like the third one, I think. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to say, there's actually a lot of movies that there are. experiment with this. Uh, so I was like, which one are you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> I bet there's an episode of SpongeBob that, that does it too. I can see that. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, like, the two that come to my mind are um, Cloverfield Paradox, which was like a uh -huh. Netflix movie, and then an episode of Community. Have you seen that I, show? I, have see I haven't seen all of Community yet. I don't remember that one. Oh, there's That's also really Sliding funny. Doors. Did you ever see Sliding Doors? I don't know what that is. Um, Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> well, uh, what I thought was kind of funny, though, like, the reason why I was thinking of this episode of Community, because, like, in it, um, they're like, okay, who's going to go downstairs and pick up the pizza? And then they roll a dice I to see. I did see that yeah. one. Yeah. So they roll the dice to see, and then they show you each different outcome, because he's like, you're now creating, you know, six different timelines. It's funny because I was watching a video that did explain this really well. And of course, it will be in our show notes and everything. And you'll be able to watch this video where it's explained beautifully. And they even have uh, a professor from Caltech, I guess, come in and explain things a lot better than I can because he's been studying it for a lot longer than I have. <laughs> but in it, they say something like, you know, Einstein didn't like to play with dice because the whole thing just freaked him out. Einstein, what a dork. <laughs> way to go, Einstein. Yeah, way to go. <laughs> um, okay, so get ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Even in this in this video where I, that I mentioned, um, they do talk about how, you know, what happens to energy because it can't be created or destroyed. And the theory is that it's just, it's all still within the universe. But for things that are way less probable, there's almost no energy that's given to that reality. But in the more probable realities, there's more energy given to it. So the probability that I would flub a sentence is a lot higher, you know, in the, here. It's a lot higher than the probability of um, my dog coming in here and speaking English to me and saying, Mom, I'm But they're hungry. both extremely probable. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> believe it or not, I never flub a line. No. <laughs> so, uh, so the universe wouldn't necessarily split up to create something like that. Um, but it would split to create either me delivering a line perfectly and flawlessly or one where I tell you that we need to go back and redo it. <laughs> so those two could be split into different personalities or personalities. See, I just did it. They could be split into different realities. And then there's one where now we have a joke about how I messed something up. And then there's one reality where there is no joke because I didn't mess anything up. And what's crazy about these realities is that it could still be within this infinite universe, but we have just been shot to another part of mm. the universe. So... <laughs> All of this um, is is to to set up 
where we think we can find how we did collide with one of these other realities. Okay. So, like, how we did collide with the reality where Nelson Mandela died in the 80s. Yes. Okay. Okay, you ready? Ready. Crack snuckles. <laughs> Snorts a line of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> In 2008, the Large Hadron Collider, which was created by CERN, launched its first successful test. The collider was built with the intention to smash particles together to test a variety of theories about the universe. However, a mere nine days after its successful test, it ended up succumbing to some misfortune, leaving it out of commission until 2009. Now, Rachel, do you remember what happened in 2009? Um, Barack Obama was sworn in in January. Well, yeah, but (laughs) (laughs) that was when Broom wrote about her theory on the Mandela effect. Oh, right. And what's even weirder is that in 2013, the machine was down for an upgrade. And what happened in 2013? Nelson Mandela passed away. He passed (gasps) away for real. So people think... That the Mandela effect is linked to the Large Hadron Collider. And that the times that it has messed up is when we were put into these other realities and we didn't even know it. Oh, no. Yeah. So, because it actually was up way before 2009. So it could have been messing some things up here and there. <laughs> But it for sure had a, a meltdown <laughs> almost in 2009. And that is when Broom wrote her essay on the Mandela effect and, and really like, started to figure it out. And he was still alive. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then in 2013 is when he died and there was something else happening. So it could kind of be that here we are sitting in 2021 not realizing how all of this went down because we don't have this memory of it because we are from the universe when Nelson Mandela died in 2013. But we have collided with the other universe <laughs> that ha- did have him die in the 80s. So That makes sense. This one is the one that makes the most sense, in my opinion. Yeah. So sure, we can all just accept the fact that thousands or even millions of people just so happen to share vivid memories of something that apparently never happened. But that sounds absurd, right? Totally. Oh, yeah. And I didn't ask a leading question, right? No. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's much more plausible to believe that we have accidentally collided with another dimension that has the same physics but slightly different events in history. Yes. And... It's also plausible to believe that in another dimension, I had a better transition from my story to yours. Impossible, because that one was gold. If there's one person who would take advantage of alternative dimensions, it's Walt Disney. 
Obviously. <laughs> Goes without saying. So Disney has apparently been moving Cinderella's castle around the park. In our current reality, it towers over the end of Main Street at both Disneyland and Disney World. But at some point, it served as the entrance to the park. No. So I will say, I'll admit, I'm skeptical of this one. I love the idea of a whole castle moving around, and this phenomenon was mentioned on almost every Mandela Effect list that I found, but there was no data explaining who actually remembers it as an entrance. I I found one conversation about it on Reddit, and one person said that she believed that she walked through the castle as the entrance. Others in the comment pointed out that this is included on Fiona Broom's Mandela Effect website. Oh, all right. But remember, I wasn't able to find that website. (laughs) Gosh. (laughs) So so then I was like, okay, so one person says that she believes that she walked through the castle to get into Disney World. A bunch of people are saying, yeah, it's on the website. The website, in my reality, doesn't exist. So then I figured maybe that was a Mandela effect about a Mandela effect. <sighs> My head hurts already. I know. So basically, <laughs> like, a, everyone remembers a bunch of people misremembering where Cinderella's castle is, but really it's just this one chick on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Keeping with the Disney theme, this year Disney World celebrates its 50th birthday. And the castle is going to be revamped for the occasion. And I like to think that Walt Disney will use this as a chance to bump us back into the right dimension, since we're clearly in the wrong one. So let's talk about what we might find in our old slash new dimension that some people still kind of remember, because, you know, we've been there before. Really quick, do you actually think that it's Walt Disney that's bringing us back? (laughs) (laughs) This is one of my deepest desires. No, no, Mr. Disney himself, Walt. Okay. (laughs) I think Walt was actually kind of a bad guy, so I can imagine him manipulating reality and stuff. And Cinderella's castle could be the hub of it. So in this new reality, some of our beloved characters from pop culture will be different. For example, Curious George, that lovable little monkey whose inquiring mind always got him into trouble, might have even more ways to wreak havoc. So of course, he'll still pass out sniffing ether. He's going to do that no matter where he is. But I don't know what... what? (laughs) You don't know about this? The Curious George sniffing ether? No... You know who Curious George yes, is, right? Yes, I know, I know who he is. But One of the stories is he gets into some ether and it's like... And then the next drawing is him totally passed out. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's one of those examples of how things uh, written... What was that, in the 30s or 40s, maybe? Or was it the 60s? <laughs> but anyways, when it was written, very different times from today because today... No children's characters will pass out from sniffing ether. Correct. (laughs) One assumes. But he will. He will no matter where he is. That's not going to change. Okay. But what could change is he could actually even open a whole other jar of ether because somewhere out there, Curious George has a tail. He's never had a tail here. I am upset because I definitely remember him having a tail. No. 
You and a lot of other people, but he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, like, he's a monkey, so he'd have a tail. Not all monkeys have tails, just like not all heroes wear capes. I suppose so. Speaking of tails, this one also might upset you. While the base of Pikachu's tail is brown, the rest of it is solid yellow. There is no black zigzag on the tip, even if you clearly remember it as you electrocuted all your friends, as well as Kirby, that insufferable prick, during an intense Super Smash Brothers tournament when you really should have been studying for your physics test. (laughs) And fuck you too, Ness. Are you okay? (laughs) Sorry, those flashbacks. It just blows my mind. I watched that cartoon for years. I Mm -hmm. had the cards. I had plushies. Pikachu had a little thing on his tail at the top. We all know that. But he doesn't. What is Pikachu? He's an electric mouse type of thing. He's a mouse. I Mm -hmm. I thought he was a cat. Oh, no. He's a mouse. The next character, who's a Mandela effect bastard, is poor Spike the Gremlin. My favorite Christmas movie. (laughs) My mom (laughs) hates it. (laughs) She does? (laughs) So, okay, so Spike was the leader of the first batch of Gremlins. And even though we can admit that he was pretty sexy, he was a total (laughs) dick. (laughs) He had a spiky white mohawk, hence Uh the name Spike. And a dedication to destruction, even trying to kill the human kid when Spike himself was already reduced to a pile of goo. He was like, I'm going to one last try. He's the classic 80s tough guy character. So Mm -hmm. he deserves that whole Spike vibe that his name gives him. Yeah. Only his name's not Spike. (laughs) (laughs) He's Stripe the Gremlin. (laughs) And this one's personal for me because... My brother, Bert, uh, nicknamed me Spike because I looked like a, a caveman as a baby, I guess. Dang, Uncle Bert! <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of bummed out that there's some reality out there where I share the same name as the most badass gremlin of all, but not in this one. In this one, he's striped. I mean, you had me going. To be fair, you know, I didn't grow up with gremlins. I mean, I shouldn't have been watching it when I was a kid. I was terrified of everything. So, <laughs> I mean, by the time my dad watched it, I was an adult. And I I only remember Gizmo <laughs> as oh, a name. Yeah. So, I totally believed you. I was like, oh, yeah, Spike. Spike. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's why I was, like, a little confused. I was like, yeah, Spike. I, what, what's wrong with him? No. <laughs> I mean, he's dead. He's a pile of goo. Although, well, I, I know he they comes are. back. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Beyond tales and names, characters' clothing and accessory also frequently gets changed in the Matrix. Rich Uncle Pennybags, for example, that dapper old man who occasionally has to go to jail without passing go, is often remembered as wearing a monocle, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't have a monocle. The Monopoly man is monocleless. Although I will say that in the original drawing of him, it looks like he's not, I looked, he's not wearing a monocle, but for some reason it looks like he was just wearing a monocle. Like he just (laughs) took it off. I can't explain it, but Google it and you'll see He has that energy. He's got like, (laughs) (laughs) he's got monocle energy. I can't really explain it. (laughs) You just have to feel it. So finally, there's a character who I think you would know, Carmen Sandiego. I know of her, yes. So she's the best thief of all time, but she uses her powers for good. 
and mm-hmm. she's the titular character in a in a game that has been around since 1985. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Right. Those of us who would take a break from dying of dysentery on the Oregon Trail would help Carmen catch awesomely named bad guys like Rob M. Blind and Ruthless. <laughs> So if you were on the right track in this game, you'd get a glimpse of Carmen in her yellow trench coat before she jetted off to another city. Oh, oh, wait. Hold on. Okay. Apparently, Carmen Sandiego wears a red trench and has never worn a yellow one. Are you sure? Okay. She says she's sure. Oh. So, yeah. Red. So now for a game. Oh, okay. I'm going to tell you two things, and you need to tell me which one did not happen in our reality. Okay. First one. Which one did not happen in our reality? Sally Field exclaiming, you like me. You really like me. Or Senate Commerce Committee Chair Ted Stephen explaining how the internet works. It's a series of tubes. The series of tubes didn't happen. Yeah, that one did. <laughs> it did happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race lied to me? <laughs> About what? About the Sally Field thing? Right. So what Sally Field said was, I can't deny the fact that you like me. Right now, you like me. <gasps> RuPaul, you need to RuPaulogize to me. <laughs> oh, snap. She just got red. The library <laughs> was open, Ru. <laughs> Reading is what? Fundamental. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I just, because I remember like there was an episode where they were doing the Despy Awards and they were like, oh, remember when she said, you like me, you really like me. She didn't say it, but they must have been around in that timeline. Man, how else are you going to shatter my reality? <laughs> All right. What did not happen? Darth Vader assuring young Skywalker, Luke, I am your father. Or Jack Bynes assuring Greg Fokker, I have nipples, Greg. <laughs> um, I'm going to say it's the Luke, I am your father didn't happen. Correct. Okay. So what he says is, no, I am your father. That Okay, yeah. I was going to say, I was like... I feel like I've heard that, and it, it feels like one of those things, but I'm, I, like, vividly remember as a kid going, Luke, I am your father, all right. the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, a- along with, like, use the fork, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> all right, so now we're going to do a Disney one. Oh, perfect. Scar, whispering in Simba's ear, I killed Mufasa. Or the evil queen in Snow White chanting... Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Um, the scar one? Yeah, he says it. He says that. Yeah, okay, no, so I thought he said, I killed your father. Because <laughs> maybe because you're thinking Darth Vader. Well, uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So what the evil queen actually says is, magic mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? semantics but, <laughs> right a lot of these are but yeah i remember mirror mirror on the wall everybody says it though like mm-hmm. that that one feels so common what happened even ramsey's pissed <laughs> i get it ramsey so um which one here didn't happen carol ann acknowledging a return with they're back 
Bug in Poltergeist, or Hannibal Lecter acknowledging a return with Hello, Clarice, in Silence of the Lambs. Poltergeist, she says they're here. Right? Sorry, they're she here. does, she does, but this is also Poltergeist 2, where she, where <laughs> she might, may or may not say they're back. Or Hannibal Lecter says, hello, Clarice. Everyone says, hello, Clarice, all the time. <laughs> so I think that was, I think that the, their back is the wrong one. No, it's the hello, Clarice. He doesn't Stop ever say it. it. Stop it! <laughs> Captain Kirk ordering, beam me up, Scotty. Or James Bond ordering a martini, shaken, not stirred. Oh, shoot. Which one doesn't happen in our reality? Well, you see, this time I was like, okay, I'm going to get her. I'm going to go with the one that like everybody says, and I'm going to do the opposite. Or uh, say <laughs> that one didn't happen. But I'm like, I've heard both of those so many times. I feel like the... Beam me up, Scotty is wrong. Yeah, yay! Ding, 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 ding! Yay! He says, Scotty, beam us up. Okay. And I, other types of things like that. But someone, I guess, watched all of the movies and it's never said at the movies and TV show. Nerd! <laughs> the last one. And I don't know if you'll know this. Do you know Sunset Boulevard? No. <laughs> But go ahead and do it anyway. (laughs) Okay. Um, Do you know Field of Dreams? Uh, I know of it. Okay. You can just take a wild guess. Okay. A delusional Norma Ray Desmond declaring, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. Or a wandering Ray Kinsella in Field of Dreams hearing the whispered, if you build it, they will come. I definitely know that if you build it, they will come thing. That's Mm -hmm. the real one. They're both fake. I knew you were going to do that. I was, I, at the beginning, I almost said, I can't wait for the trick question. They're both right. Or, they're both wrong. But I didn't say that because I didn't want to ruin it. <laughs> so Norma Ray Desmond in Sunset Boulevard says, all right, just Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Mm. And Ray Kinsella in Field of Dreams says, or hears, if you build it, he will come. That's right, because he thinks it's the baseball player, but it's his dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and we think it's they will come because we figure it's like all the players, you know, yeah. playing baseball. Right. All right, the next category. I'm not sure if I can blame other dimensions for the Mandela effect when it comes to spelling, <laughs> just because English is such a weird language. And then couple that with how marketers change the spelling of things to be cutesy. It makes sense that our brains would try to, like, fix things. The hottest spelling debate is the Berenstain Bears. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So no one fights over the beginning of it. We all agree it's B-E-R-E-N. It's Baron. But it's the stain part that gets stuck in everyone's craw. Uh, A lot of people remember it as S-T-E-I-N. And it's actually S-T-A-I-N. And I remember pronouncing it myself, Berenstein Bears. But no matter how weird the English language gets, A-I is never pronounced E. Except yeah. for uh, Randy from South Park's cooking show, Cream Friche. <laughs> well, see, I remember too, like, I, I was one of those people, I did just assume that bear was, the bear part was B-E-A-R. <gasps> oh, really? Yeah, I, I thought that, but... That was just kind of me not paying attention to things. And also, um, like, before I could 
really read cursive and everything, and it was kind of a cursive-y type font. But um, I can't even recall <laughs> anything about it. Except for now, I'm upset that it's not spelled B-E-A-R. <laughs> Aw. Are you still upset, or have you healed? I've moved on. Well, then there's Febreze, which is spelled with only one E in the breeze part. You have a <laughs> bottle of Febreze right next to you in your studio. Her studio is in the laundry room. Yeah, so you can't you can't fool me on this one. So there's only one E in it. That is which, messed up, though. Like it doesn't even make sense. Like why? Febreze. Yeah, Febreze. <laughs> um, and the whiteout, which does not have an H in the white part. And this one I remember because during my insufferable prescriptivist prick phase, I wrote a letter to Bic chastising them for promoting bad spelling. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, God. I'm, I was an ass. So here's the thing. I I really didn't have that much of a need for whiteout. But smells good, though. <laughs> Snorting that like cocaine. <laughs> Sniffing it like ether. <laughs> uh, all right. So Looney Tunes. They aren't Looney. No, sorry. Looney Tunes are Looney for their songs, not for their cartoons. Yes. This one, when I found this one out, I was pissed. Right. Okay, yeah, because the tunes part is for, like, tunes like a song, not for what they fucking are, cartoons. And so I think that this one gets a little muddled in our American psyche because of Tiny Toon Adventures, which are Tiny Toon, like T-O-O-N, and, like, in their song, their intro, they're like, we're all a little loony, and in this cartoony, we're... And so, like, I think we kind of associate loony with... T-O-O in tune anyways, like, mm-hmm. anyway, so it's kind of like well, a, a back formation. And also because whenever they would do a song, it would say Merry Melodies. So I never made that connection. I was like, they already have a song reference in Merry mm-hmm. Melodies and not in Looney Tunes. And, like, that pissed me off, I think, because one time I was, like, looking it up and I was like, what do you mean, T-U-N-E-S? Like, <laughs> excuse you? <laughs> no. <laughs> the final spelling topic left me at a loss as to how to approach it because it's about a hot dog. So, do I go with the obvious joke about putting wieners in my mouth? Or do I make a crack about sucking on a chili dog? Or do I go in a completely different route and examine the cannibalistic implications of naming your bologna with both a given name and a surname before eating it? Not only does your bologna have a name he goes by, but he comes from like this whole line of bolognese. So maybe you should be a little less cavalier about putting him on your sandwich. No, go with the wieners in your mouth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So this poor doomed baloney is, of course, Oscar Mayer. And before I tell you how it's spelled, dear listener, I want you to close your eyes, unless you're driving or fixing your garbage disposal, and try to envision the logo. Now look carefully at Meyer. Oscar Meyer. How is it spelled? Stacey, how do you spell Meyer in your in your oh, vision? No, I think I just realized what's happened. It's <laughs> I think it's M E Y E R. It is. Oh, it is. Yeah, you're in the right reality. <gasps> okay, because I was like, are people thinking it's like M A or something? Yeah. Okay. Hi, this is Rachel from the future. 
there has been a glitch in the matrix since recording this episode, as records now reveal that the correct spelling of Oscar Mayer is M-A-Y-E-R. Even though I have clearly written in my notes, it's Mayer like the lemon, M-E-Y-E-R. It is far, far more likely that entire universes shifted than that I misread multiple websites. So consider this proof for the alternate realities you've always been looking for. But as of now, we were both wrong. Oscar Mayer is (laughs) M-A-Y-E-R. So it just goes to show that even though we all remember the word that made us lose the spelling bee, (laughs) we have a tough time agreeing on how to spell some words that we see all the time. What word made you lose your spelling bee? Number. (laughs) Remember it. How did you spell it? I got nervous and I Uh meant to say N-U-M and I said N because I got (gasps) nervous as I was spelling it. Number. (laughs) It was, and it was the first, I like made it like to this thing. My dad was sitting in the the gym. (laughs) No. And I, I was so excited that I made it to the finals of the spelling meet. It was the first word. And because I got nervous and like put so much pressure, I misspoke and it, and it sucked because as I was saying it, I knew I was wrong, but I also knew you're not allowed to go back. Oh. So I had to finish spelling it knowing that it was wrong and that I was like, B-E-R number. <laughs> oh, you know, in some so reality, sad. you spelled it right, and then you pissed off the person who won in this reality, and so in that <laughs> alternate reality, that person formed a vendetta against you and spent her whole life trying to get back at you and ended up murdering you at this sweet young age of 24. <sighs> Man, I'm so glad that I made it past 24. <laughs> well, we'll just see what other enemies I've made in this time <laughs> <laughs> see when I get murdered because I'm definitely oh it's for sure gonna happen that <laughs> <laughs> I this is how I want to go I want to okay. be walking down the street like still spry but you know maybe one or two years left before dying of a horrible heart attack and I want someone to come up behind me and just shoot me in the back of the head <laughs> that's what I want all right I'll do it thank you <laughs> You'll be old then, too. Well, I also want to be at the point where I'm still spry. If oh, you're that's spry, true. I want to be spry. <laughs> we'll both be spry. Okay, okay, you can murder me then. Okay. Thank you. Yay, great. <laughs> if I, if there are any cops listening, I am not going to murder my aunt <laughs> ever. <laughs> I won't murder anybody, actually. So, I <laughs> no. If I'm uh, on trial for anything, it's double jeopardy and doesn't count because... I was just expunged in this It's Schrodinger's murder. (laughs) So far, we've covered characters, quotations, and spelling. So there are actually several events that people remember differently, obviously, considering this whole phenomenon is named after an event. So one such event is the explosion of the Space Shuttle Challenger. This launch was to be a momentous occasion as one of the astronauts, Krista McAuliffe, was a high school social studies teacher who had won a competition to be among the crew of Challenger. And so it really stoked people's imaginations. It gave us hope. It was very exciting. It was putting space, this big idea, into the hands of a regular person. So it was broadcast live 
And I think something like 17% of the populace watched it live. So millions of people. And then um, a survey found, determined that about 85% of American adults had learned of the tragedy within an hour of it happening. So spread like wildfire. Uh, The tragedy was that it launched and then only a little over a minute after its launch, the shuttle exploded and it killed everybody inside immediately. It's one of those events that people remember exactly where they were when it happened or when they first heard about it. But people remember when they were a little differently. So if anyone were to ask me about it, I would say it happened in 1988 because I remember being in the third grade along with Frankie who convinced the teacher that I was the one whistling whenever she turned around, which led her to put my name on the board, even though I didn't even learn how to whistle until I was 26 years old. Oh, no. Frankie fucking Should I bleep that out? Because that is his real name. I haven't been able to find him. I have looked. Because there's so many Frankie is. Well, then no one else will be able to find him either. So why put okay. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway. Many people remember the Challenger exploding in 1982, a good six years before Frankie taught me my first life lesson. But 1982 is four years before the Challenger actually exploded, which was on January 28th, 1986. So we're both, we're all wrong. Oh my gosh. So Mm -hmm. there's three different... There's like four. Some people remember it 82, some in 83. I remember it in 88. It's it's just weird. Like, we all remember it, but the circumstances around it seem to well, be different. Also, in the 80s, that's when people think the that Nelson Mandela died. Because it never actually says, like, an actual year in the 80s. It just says the 80s. In my intro, I said 1980 mm-hmm. just because I wanted to make it sound like it was real. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it had an actual date, but everyone has just said the 80s. So now, in the 80s, there's something else that's a big event that also didn't make sense and nobody can agree upon. Well, the 80s has always been a suspect decade. Another astronaut is at the heart of a Mandela effect. Oh, no. Um, Oftentimes, people remember a death before it happens, like Nelson Mandela, or like Buzz Aldrin. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that's where you were going. I was like, don't tell me this is a Mandela effect. I'll be so upset. (laughs) No, that was just a stuck effect. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But in Neil Armstrong's case, many people remember him dying after he died, which was in 2012. So a lot of people thought that he was still alive, and some people still think that he's alive. And to those people, I say, it's okay to not be certain whether or not a beloved spaceman is still alive. (laughs) We've all done it. (laughs) All done it. And also, I'm sorry that you had to learn the truth under these circumstances and while you were fixing your garbage disposal. Isn't it done yet? I know. It should be done right now. You've had a lot of time. (laughs) Another tragedy people misremember centers the 1932 Lindbergh kidnapping. This was an international news story since the baby was the child of famed aviator Charles Lindbergh and was kidnapped from his own crib. People climbed up his window and, like, snatched the baby. I know this one because we might actually end up covering it later. We should. Yeah, there's Mm -hmm. a lot to it. Um, The subsequent investigation, ransom, trial, conviction, and execution 
were woven into the fabric of the U.S. identity and resulted in Congress passing the Federal Kidnapping Act. So big deal for us. Um, We know, and we've kind of already talked about how some tragedies become sensationalized. Uh, Usually this is for a lot of reasons. We talked about it um, when we discussed Jack the Ripper. And one reason for sensationalism is when someone disappears without a trace. And this is what many people remember about the Lindbergh baby, that he simply vanished. But the sad truth is, is that the child's body was found two and a half months later. Oh. Yeah, but people don't remember that. And this is another one that I think is pretty easy to chalk up to just kind of how our brains work. Mm-hmm. Um, you can couple a common feature of sensationalized crime with a subconscious need to think of the baby still being alive as a possibility. And then you can end up <laughs> yes. with a whole swath of people not remember him being found because then maybe he could still be alive. Right. So, yeah, you want to hold on to the the better conclusion than to accept the harsh reality that a baby died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and not only died, but was murdered, like, stolen and murdered. Like, True. That's, that's every parent's worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. I'm you not know? even a parent is my worst nightmare. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, imagine if that happened to my cat. Like, if somebody came in and stole my cat, and then she turned out... <gasps> and I, I don't mean to equate my cat to other people's child... Children... But, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's the best we can do as uh, pet moms. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry that we haven't pushed a baby out of our veggies. <laughs> I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> it's still up for debate for me, so. Okay. Well, you don't have to, but if you want to. I know I don't have you. to. I mean, I already have my child right now. Yeah. Her name is Ramsey. She's beautiful. And she doesn't have thumbs, so she'll get into a lot less trouble. And her no. tail is not prehensile, so she'll stay out of the ether. <laughs> exactly. But her tail is super cute and looks like a cinnamon roll. Oh. Like a fluffy cinnamon roll. It's so cute. <laughs> oh. What does it taste like? I've not tasted it um, <laughs> because I also have to pick up her poop. So I know what, <laughs> what happens down there. <laughs> So you don't have an adventurous palate, is what I'm hearing. Correct. I am not a raccoon, can confirm. (laughs) So uh, to end on less of a sad note, not that what we just said is sad, but to end on less of a sad note than the Lindbergh baby. Right. The last event I'll bring up has to do with St. Teresa of Calcutta, or Mother Teresa, the Roman Catholic nun, missionary, and charity founder. She was born in 1910 in Macedonia and after a long and impactful life, died in Calcutta in September of 1997. She is remembered by all as a saint, both literally in terms of the Catholic Church and figuratively in that she led such a charitable life. And also literally again, because apparently she performed miracles, which I didn't know until I did this research. But her sainthood is where our collective memory fails us. Many people remember her being sainted in the early 90s. Do you have any, like, do you have any recollections of Mother Teresa? Because you were so young. She died when you were, like, two. So I don't even know why you would know about her. Uh, no, but I do know what you're about to say. What? Tell me. That she wasn't given sainthood or whatever until after she died. Yeah. But also, I have a Catholic boyfriend. (laughs) And I think I even remember reading about it. It wasn't until 2016, so five years ago, that she was 
Um, canonized. <laughs> it's now canon in the Bible. No, <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not how it works. If it happens um, when you're alive, it's being sainted. But then if it happens after death, it's being canonized. Okay, okay. We'll see. I guess I don't have as much street cred with the Catholics as I thought. I don't know how important it is in this dimension to have Catholic street cred, so. <laughs> Not that important. It's I wouldn't fine. worry about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I, I was going to say, I think I remember reading an article saying like, oh, they've now considered Mother Teresa as a saint. I was like, oh, okay. And I think part of me was just like, because... I am a little jaded with um, sexism. I was like, of course they're not going to fucking give her sainthood until after she's dead. Because they're woke AF now, apparently. So, but, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Uh, I, I always know, like, oh, it's saint like Mother Teresa. But, like, I always thought it was still meant figuratively. No, she'll probably get her own playing card. Do you, Does Zach have any of those, those saint cards? Oh, no. No, he does not. He did not bring those with with him. He's going to get some for Christmas. Oh, gosh. He probably has some somewhere, but okay. I mean, I let's pretend that I knew um, okay. and we don't have to let any of Zach's family know that I'm a heathen. If they listen to our podcast, they already know. Fair point. Cats out of the bag. The the Schrodinger's cat's out of the box. <laughs> and it's dead. <laughs> it's not Catholic either. Because <laughs> if, if it were, maybe he could come to life like Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, they'd be mad at me if I compared a cat to Jesus. I mean, <laughs> if you compared a dog to Jesus, I could at least be like, well, what's God backwards? But you said cats would be tap. Oh, yeah. And plus, cats are like more devilish for sure i would say so but it's only because i'm allergic so <laughs> yeah it's only because mine beats me up i'm in an abusive relationship my cat with your cat <laughs> there's nothing funny about domestic abuse but there is there a isn't. little something funny about being abused by a cat yeah <laughs> letting a cat run your life right there is i mean to be fair i have considered getting a fish tank because whenever we take ramsey to uh petco she always pulls us over to the fish side and likes to watch the fish so i've considered getting a pet for my pet i did get a fish tank for ruled. mingus <laughs> you did get one i did because she was in quarantine after the first bat that she brought into the house i mean to have an indoor cat because i understand that they live longer they're healthier it's this thing and i tried and so people can lecture me all they want i tried to have an indoor cat she would not have it so I quarantined her, and it was hell for everybody involved. She was just a little terror. I spent hundreds, hundreds of dollars on toys, on the pheromone thing that you, like, plug in and diffuse, on catnip, on a fish tank with fish for her to watch, which she did not do. Oh, what a turd! <laughs> Damn it, Mingus. Damn it. <laughs> uh, well, I think a fish tank might work for Ramsey. Like, not all the time, but I think it might work for her because anytime, like, I don't know if you know this about me, but I really enjoy sharks. <laughs> I do know that about you. Yeah. And uh, fun fact, there's actually one tattooed on my hand. I also knew that about you. So and not in a- fact, I'm going to get a shark tattoo because you have one and so does Alexa. And so it's so kind does Mark. of... And so does Mark. And I was like, I need My to brother. get one so I can 
Yeah, so I can be part of this. I love that. And then you should go with my mom, and my mom should also get a shark tattoo. (laughs) Oh, but what I was saying was with the sharks, uh, so I like to watch a lot of, like, Shark Week and shark documentaries and stuff. And uh, this was the first time that I caught her watching TV. And, um, you know, there was blue on the screen and there were Mm -hmm. fish and she was enthralled. Like she stopped what she was doing just to look at the TV and watch it. And I thought that was so cute. And then like seeing her, like every time we go to Petco, we have to go to the (laughs) fish tanks and she's got to look at them. And she's like, she doesn't do it. She's just so excited. And then anytime anything blue comes on the screen on mm-hmm. TV, she'll watch it. So, by the way, I want you to imagine, because I knew you were talking about Ramsey, but, mm. like, grammatically, all of that would have been about your mom. <laughs> so <just> imagine, like... <laughs> That's funny. Well, I just kind of assumed that you were going to cut out the part about where we talk about my mom and how she would get a tattoo with you. <laughs> no, so I, probably I was will, like, but... it's fine. <laughs> But I do see how <laughs> I one time caught my mom watching TV. It was no, so weird. And then when we go, ever we go to PetSmart, she just stares. <laughs> just imagine your mom doing that. Oh my god! <laughs> so okay, no, I was definitely talking about my dog. <laughs> I'm gonna wrap up this little section here. So clearly, many things we know and love would be a little different if Walt Disney decides to thrust us into the dimension where he is immortal and where Cinderella's castle is the entrance of the park. And maybe it will be an improvement, but maybe we actually are in the better reality because at least in this one, (laughs) Mona Lisa has a smile. Oh, (laughs) that's cute. But no, this isn't better. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'd, I'd certainly trade. <laughs> okay, but wait a minute. So Walt Disney is immortal? I think I In missed my, that. This is just my theory. So my theory. Okay. okay. There's also, if you, <clears throat> um, I think about death a lot. And I get like, um, I go through like phases where I freak out a lot. And I have like my one talk me off the ledge friend and he's been talking me off ledges since 1996 when I first started like going this year so Mm -hmm. the last conversation we had was kind of about this sort of thing um and it was I mean the last conversation about this was about um different realities and stuff and one of the theories that he told me about was there are all of these infinite things and like our consciousness Days on the one where we're still alive. Every other decision that we make has caused our death, but we're staying on the one that is still alive, which is actually horrifying because that means that we live forever and we watch all of our friends and family die. And then eventually you end up just totally alone. How is this talking immortal. you off a ledge? <laughs> well, that was... <laughs> I'm not talking to this friend. <laughs> um, but so in that in, in that case, then it would be like Walt Disney's uh, version of reality where he is he's on his immortal path. All right. I'll let him have it. Or maybe they could go into the whole um, Disney's cry, uh, cryogenically frozen. <gasps> and yeah. he's like, he's still alive because of that. There are a lot of 
places we can go with Walt Disney. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you think he was a Freemason? Oh, he had to be. How Okay, okay. How else are you going to get famous because of a mouse? Because of a field mouse. Listen, it's just a normal field mouse. This isn't Pikachu. No, he wears pants. So do all mice. <laughs> or at least how I interpret it. That's true. All mice do wear pants. <laughs> I, I don't know if all mice actually wear pants or <laughs> if that's just me being crazy. But what I do know is that this is all 100% true. And 100% Make believe. Fake Believe Podcast is not responsible for any shifts in reality that may occur after publication of each episode. So don't let that stop you from plugging into the matrix and subscribing to our podcast. We'd love to increase our numbers. <laughs>